Welcome to this podcast, designed to help aspiring teachers take those fearful first steps with courage and determination. My name's Andrea, I've been working in the TEFL industry for many years in various roles including Head of Studies, Director of Studies, Teacher Trainer and as a freelance teacher. If you've ever felt nervous about starting out as a new teacher, you're not the only one. So many people are taking those fearful first steps after gaining their certificate, but you don't have anything to worry about. Here you'll receive tips, tricks and useful tactics that will set you up for success in your job in the TEFL industry. During this podcast, you're going to learn about what you can expect if you're offered work with an academy and what an academy would expect from you as a teacher working for them. Sharing this useful information is Ed, Head of Studies for King's Training in Madrid. Ed has been working in the TEFL sector since arriving in Madrid in 2002, mostly involved with adult and in-company classes. He started out as a teacher, but then moved into a coordination role and then finally moved into his current position as Head of Studies. Now he is broadly responsible for recruitment and teacher development, as well as programming courses and class quality. Welcome Ed, it's great to have you here today talking to us. We're looking forward to hearing all about teaching for an academy and what you've got to tell us. Glad to be here and thanks for inviting me, Andrea. You're very welcome. Why don't we start? I think the the listeners would really love to know a little bit about you. So Mm -hmm. I've introduced you already as Head of Studies for King's Training. So how long have you been Head of Studies and how did you come to be in this position? Okay, I've been Head of Studies just for for a couple of years in in King's Training. But I've been with King's Training pretty much all of my career, so since uh, 2002. So I began as as a TEFL teacher. Uh, teaching mainly uh, in company, which means that the teacher travels, uh, either travels to the company and occupies a meeting room and, and teaches the, the students, uh, the employees of the company in that meeting room, uh, or they come to our, our offices and, uh, and receive classes there. And then I'm, in 2006, I think, I started a coordination position. So uh, coordination is, is actually you know, receiving information from clients, organizing groups, doing level tests, organizing programs, materials, and things like that. So I was doing that for yeah, another 10 years or so, or 12 years. And then the uh, head of studies position came up and I, and I, and I started there. So uh, yeah, I'm a kind of, I'm a one company guy really, which is kind of <laughs> quite unusual in this, in this business, I think. And I've been in, been in the same place for since 2002. So that's um, yeah, 18 years now. So, wow. <laughs> wow, 18 years. That is an exceptionally yeah. long time. Probably best not to think about that too much, Ed. Might no, I know. I know. Absolutely. Yeah, let's not dwell. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Let's move on. Let's move on. So, yeah. well, tell us a little bit about your, your passion for teaching and or your interest in teaching. Why did you choose teaching and specifically Madrid? Yeah, I mean, I think it's um, very, very often in this business, it's a question of circumstances. So... To begin with, I'm not going to say, oh, I, you know, I went into teaching because I had a, I had a huge passion to, to, to teach people how to speak English. It was, it was more a question at the time. Of, I, I met uh, my, my present wife, Begonia. I met her in England and 
uh, she came back, she was learning English. She was there for six months to learn English. She returned to Spain and I followed her out here. And, and the logical thing, especially for a native speaker of English to do at the time was uh, to, to make some money was to, was to teach English. I think then the, the idea of having kind of passion or interest came, came up afterwards, you know, after when you begin teaching uh, and you begin to enjoy that experience. So I don't think it was, uh, you know, it was a great vocational thing for me to say, I must teach English, but it's something that I learned to love over, over, over several years. Your passion sounds more like it was for Spanish women, particularly <laughs> on your edge yeah. rather than passion for English at that time. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I think now, having, having done everything within an academy, more or less everything within an academy setting, you know, from, from, from teaching to organisation to stu uh, student relations, uh, client relations and, uh, and, um, and everything, everything in between, Teaching is still the thing that I, that I always go back to and I always enjoy the most. Sandra said, what's the best thing about your job as head of studies? Uh, good question. I think, I mean, I've already spoken about coming back to, to teaching. So sometimes when, you know, if we get a, um, a teacher who's ill, you know, it's necessary to step in and, and, and take over their class for a while. And that's, you know, it's one of those, it's a strange situation because I always feel, okay, I've got other work to do, but I need to do this. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a pain, maybe. But then I go into the class, you know, sit down with the students and that becomes uh, a really enjoyable thing. And that's, that's what reminds you or reminds me of, of why I started doing this and or why, why I actually began to feel passionate about, about this job in the first place. There are, there are lots of other things dealing with the teachers. I mean, the teachers who come in, the teachers who we, who we recruit or who begin to work with us getting to know them, seeing uh, kind of development with them, how, how they develop and how, they, how our relationship deepens is also a wonderful thing. And, this, and the students, you know, the, pe the people we work with. Fundamentally, this is, as a job, is, is extremely human, you know, it's about, it's about people. So I think that's, that's the main thing, is those, those human relationships and how, how we all get on with each other. Um, and that's what I like about it. It's great, I think, for the listeners to know as well that you still teach. So mm. even though you've climbed up the ladder and now you're head of studies, I think it's great that you still get an opportunity to, to sit in the classroom and teach, as you mentioned earlier. I think it's, it's fundamental. If you're, if you're training teachers and you're not teaching, then you feel a bit of a fraud at the end of the day. Yes, <laughs> that's true. You know, I, mean, I mean, if I say, okay, this is this is how we want you to teach this. These are some elements of teaching theory. These are some elements of teaching practice. And yet I haven't applied them for two or three years. Then it's not, you know, for me that, uh, that doesn't work. And I think it's absolutely necessary for, uh, for, to keep your hand in. Um, it's, it's just one of those jobs where if you're going to talk about it, if you're going to be involved in the training, you need to be hands on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think it's uh... An important step for the teachers to look at you that you you know what you're talking about and you're you're sharing some as you say current knowledge really Definitely, okay yeah, yeah. now because we're all human ed and and i often uh, mm -hmm. on these podcasts i like to to try and find out a little bit something funny or embarrassing that's happened to the mm -hmm. people who are on the podcast so can you tell us something funny or embarrassing that's happened to you during your teaching career uh, yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, <laughs> lot, lots of things happen over time, but I think the most appropriate thing I can think of is going back a long time. 
to when I started teaching, when I first started doing my uh, doing my classes. And this, you know, may resonate with a lot of uh, of new teachers. I remember basically being in a class. I can't I can't remember the company. There was a, a class of about five or six students. I don't know if it was my first day, my second day, or my second week. I remember we were using course book material, quite typical, especially at the time. And I remember when the grammar came up, I kind of realized the dynamic of the, the class was changing. So I, I was aware of myself as the teacher and them as the students, but then I became aware that they were teaching me the grammar because I didn't really know the grammar. I think, I think the, the point was the, was the present perfect. I mean, people of my generation from the, from the UK education system weren't really taught a lot about grammar. So I don't know if that's the case now. I don't know whether that's changed. But I remember going, okay, present perfect. Uh, I'm going to go to the board. I'm going to do my timeline. I'm going to try and explain how it, how it works. And then I couldn't. And they, and they were, um, a lot of our students, our adult students are veterans. They've learned these things many, many times. And they were saying, no, it's like this. You know, it's, it's about look, you know, looking back from a present point, looking back over the past and relating past events to the present. You know, that's what the present <laughs> perfect is. That's brilliant. So I guess there's a lesson there, isn't there, that, that it, it, it pays to be humble. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when you start out in any job, it pays to be humble and it pays to, to be prepared to learn. You know? I think that this will be an experience that many many new teachers will have as well in the in the first year or so. I guess, I mean, I said, I don't know how the education system is now, but I guess they're not teaching English grammar at a, at a very you know, great level. <laughs> from, from the TEFL courses that I've seen, when the new people are coming in and getting their certificate, they're, they're very much in the same boat uh, as we were at, uh, from our generation. You know, the grammar is, is a relatively challenging aspect of teaching English for sure. Yeah. Um, and it takes practice, it takes years of comfort and confidence to, to really get it all, you know, down to a T. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's an interesting wider point to digress a bit there, where, um, you know, it's interesting those students had studied the present perfect so many times before and they were veteran students as i say so the, the point is that what did they lack they didn't really lack knowledge of how the present perfect works what they lacked is uh, is how to use it and they lacked confidence and they lacked communicative ability you know so just a little point about about teaching english and teaching grammar and teaching technical aspects very often it's um, the most important thing is what's behind that we need this communicative effectiveness that's what, yeah. what we really try to focus on but again, as a new teacher, I, you know, it's very easy for a new teacher just to focus on technical aspects. You know, uh, I teach, you learn. Uh, this is my role as a teacher. Uh, when, you, when you gain more experience as a teacher, you, you start thinking about, okay, what am I really trying to do here? I'm trying, I'm trying to promote communicative effectiveness. I'm trying, I'm trying to help my students to learn. Yes. Uh, anyway, that's a, that's a much wider point. Another, for another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have you back yeah. and talk to death about that one. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Ed, you work for an academy. You've mentioned that you've been focused on adult in company classes for yeah. the new teachers that are listening. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? So what's the core business of an academy? I mean, as you say, we, we're focused very much on adults. Um, so we can split that sector into two parts, kids. Uh, under 18 and, and adults over 18 if you know somebody arriving uh, in Madrid for example to teach they might decide between those two sectors or they or they might go, go for one of them kids I have, I have 
not much experience with. I mean, a lot of kids trainings in summer camps and things like that, like intensive courses during the summer. But of course, there are academies for children. The possibility of being a classroom assistant is, a, is, is also there. A lot of academies will do both, both children and, and adults. In our case, we only focus on adults. So we divide adults into two, into two sections. One is, let's say, the academy section, which is people who come in and they have their classes uh, in our offices and they pay for their own classes individually. So they pay per head. So you might have six or eight or 10 or 12 people in, in, in a group. And they're all, you know, they're all keen. They want to, they want to learn English. They need, they need English for their careers. And they need English because they're interested in English, whatever. Uh, on the other side of that, we have the corporate sector, which is for us a, a, a bigger sector where we mostly focus our, our business. And in most cases, companies are going to pay for that training. Okay, so sometimes the students again have to pay a part of that or whatever, but generally the companies pay for the training. Uh, they could take place on the, uh, the premises of the company, and they might take place on our premises, although if you have lots of clients, obviously that's, that's, that's quite a limited thing. So what's the purpose of that? Well, the company's interested in furthering their skills, you know, their employee skills for them to, to be more effective. So the focus is a little bit different from a, an academy-style class. It's about why do they, why do they need English? Uh, maybe it's to, to, to perform better in meetings, Maybe it's to speak better over the phone to clients. Maybe it's to travel. Uh, maybe it's to prepare written materials, reports, or presentations. So our focus there is different, and for that reason, we we very often use different materials. However, that's not always the case. In in many clients, um, corporate clients, they're very open. You know, we might have a big, you know, ele- electricity company, for example, and we say, okay, so what's what are your your objectives? And they just we we just want people to speak better English. So that gives us a much more open hand to deliver a more uh, general st- style of teaching. So it depends. We are a, a service sector. You know, we're delivering a service to a client. So we have to adapt to that client. Whereas an academy, a pure academy, the, the students are going to adapt more to the house style of the academy. Okay, so that's, that's a big difference. Great. I mean, you mentioned there that, you know, some companies, some corporate companies might want some very specific type of English, whether it be telephone calls or business presentations, etc. Would you expect teachers to have that kind of experience in order for them to teach those topics, Ed? No, no. I mean, uh, very important for me is always to remember that we are the English experts. We, we definitely are that. We have to go in and say, you know, we, we are... I mean, my example of not knowing the present perfect is, is an example of saying I'm not 100% the expert, but yeah. I know how it works. I can say when it's right or wrong. So we, we have to be the English experts. But the, the client, if they say, okay, we, we, need to, we need to focus on the electricity sector. Well, okay, you're, you're the experts in the electricity. So what we're going to do is we're going to combine your knowledge and our expertise, and we're going to produce a program, a series of classes, which are going to boost your ability to communicate about those things. Later on, we have things like telephones, like meetings. We would use materials for those. So we have in, in, in King's training, we have um, lots of materials, you know, to, to help the teacher. Um, I think for a new teacher, it's very, very difficult to go in and say, okay, uh, we're going to do a class on meetings, you know, with no materials, or I'm going to, you know, I've got my book, English file or something, which is a you know, general, general English book. Very, very difficult to do that. So that's why we exist you know that's why uh, you have contacts in your academy uh, like me to talk to me I would then guide you to the to the, to the requisite materials but it's very very important that we that we don't confuse a TEFL teacher an English teacher 
with a business expert or a business guru, you know, a completely different sector, completely different idea. When we are doing something which is more about communication coaching rather than pure English teaching, then we have to use the knowledge uh, and expertise of the, of the people that, that we're teaching and they have to recognize that uh, in order to have a successful experience. I know I think that's a really valid point to mention um, thank you for for confirming that because we, we want our new teachers to be able to take on new classes new ideas new topics with confidence and knowing that they can go in there as the as the person that can teach English and not necessarily as the person that has to be able to be the best presenter you know in a, in a business scenario so I think that's yeah. useful to share yeah, I mean, we, we, a new teacher can be confident. Can be confident of one thing that they they know English. You know, they they know they know how it works. So if I if I'm teaching, say, a one to one session with a business manager, and they they say, okay, I've got to do this presentation. Okay, so I'm going to give this presentation. Okay, you know, even if you don't know anything about the grammar, you don't know anything about the, the phonetics or the, or the pronunciation or, or any of those kind of technical aspects behind it. You know what sounds good and what doesn't. So you can coach that person. The rest of it you learn as you go along. You know, everyone has to learn. Everyone starts from from somewhere. But the confidence a new teacher can have to say that this, this is either my language if I'm a native speaker, or it's I'm very confident as a, as a speaker of a second language. I'm very confident and secure in my knowledge of that language. So I yeah. think that we're kind of leading nicely into talking now about the the core content of the podcast, which is. Hmm the types of things that new teachers can expect from working with an academy and what an academy kind of expects from a teacher when they work for them. So yeah. would you like to, to start telling us Ed, a little bit about what an academy kind of expects from a teacher in general with an academy, but also specifically talking about King's training? Let's start with recruitment. I think when we are obviously when the beginning of the process is that we we receive CVs, resumes. So the first thing we look for is is a, um, a pre-service qualification, a TEFL qualification, of which there are many kinds, uh, many types at the moment. Go to a training centre and you receive the training and you get the certificate, or it might be online. We feel that we need that. I think most places will feel that they need that. Uh, I think that's important for us. Experience, there it is. I mean, experience is. You know, like, like any 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 job is is a plus. However, and I and I realise that this podcast is going is is intended for new teachers. I mean, when I do an interview, you know, if somebody doesn't have experience, that's fine. But then if we can't talk about their past experience because that doesn't exist, so we're looking for different things. We're looking for something else. So I'm looking for interest, enthusiasm, independence confidence somebody who is able to communicate because this is very much a, a, a game of communication and in an interview just giving giving that impression that that you you like any interview you know I'm a responsible professional person I've turned up on time I, I, I'm, I'm dressed well because we teach uh, corporations and corporations and companies uh, are interested in professionalism we're looking for somebody who engages who smiles who makes eye contact all of those things and if they, you know, if they've done their TEFL course, then they'll know something about, you know, then they'll be able to talk about, okay, I'm, quite, I'm really interested in, in, in phonetics. You know, I see this as, a, you know, as, as a very important thing for, for, for communication for, for Spanish people or Italian people or Japanese people. Just that ability to have the interest to start that, that conversation and be able to, to show that 
okay, this is something I want to do. This is something I'm, I'm genuinely interested in. Enthusiasm, I would so, say. Let's I mean, bring it down to that. Yeah, there's also some something there to encourage people to, to look at basic interview skills as well, not just about thinking about being the teacher. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Okay, um, what else? When somebody has been recruited, um, I'm looking for interest. Yeah, so how, do, how can you do that? You, you ask questions, you come to training sessions. So at King's Training, if we put staff training sessions, the people who come and contribute, we know are the, you know, I don't want to sound um, too kind of sinister about this, the inner circle. <laughs> you know, they are, the, they are the people that we consider close to us. People who form part of the school community, uh, our academy community. So we, if we have a, a, an area for teachers, they're the ones who sit down. They ask their peers, the other teachers, questions if they're more experienced or if they're not experienced. They offer their own experiences. They talk uh, amongst themselves. So we're watching those things and we're contributing to those things and we're saying this guy or this person is really interested. They really want to be part of the, the, the fabric of life, you know, here in, in this academy. If they're interested in reading, wider, wider reading in terms of theory, attending conferences, if we go to a conference and we invite people to go with us and they come with us, then we know that they're, they're really on board. I would, you know, I stress the, the teachers who catch the eye get the better classes like anything in life. Important. And then seemingly, you know, then as a new teacher, they come in maybe for their first academic year. If they get involved in these things, it's they're likely to be invited back for a second academic year. That's the that's the key. Definitely. Those that really show interest are the ones that come back year after year. And you, and you have many teachers that have been with you for, mm-hmm. for many years, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got teachers who, who come back, you know, 15, 20 years. You know, it's about commitment. Yeah, for me, I mean, there are a lot, there are lots of te- lots of teachers out there who are going to be saying, "Okay, I'm only going to be doing this for a year, so maybe I'm not going to commit myself 100%." Well, you should, you know, like anything you do, you know, you've got to give it 100%, treat it very seriously. Um, in terms of dress, you know, you don't go to a to a to, to a, a company, a client company, a corporate entity, you know, in flip flops. You know, you just you know dress properly, turn up on time. Um, keep up communication with your with your with your school. With uh, in a, in our case, for us, communication is key. You know, there are people who cannot come in every day to to the academy. That's fine, but you keep in touch. That you know? sort of information, Ed, about dress code and things is that something that is shared with the teachers at, uh, by yourselves as the academy? Mm-hmm. That kind of information shared with them? Yeah. So we have um, a handbook, you know, with with our with our expectations. Again, these are not great expectations. We're not we're not expecting people to dress, uh, you know, like, like lawyers or businessmen. It's just about kind of smart casual, you know, and not not looking out of place. And I understand that you know you work in a tech company. Maybe you go there and everyone else is dressed in flip flops and, and shorts. Okay, I mean that that could happen. <laughs> but generally, we we would expect a kind of a smart casual um, approach. I remember okay. when when I was working with you guys at Kings that we had some opposites in terms of clients expectations of, of what teachers are wearing literally that case of practically wearing flip-flops to then mm. having a suit and tie on so it can it can also change can't it with within yeah. clients and within with who you're teaching yourself absolutely so you've got to you look for an average really haven't yeah. you neither <laughs> yeah. ridiculously smart or, or going to the beach you know <laughs> that's right exactly it makes life easy otherwise carry carry flip-flops and, and a tie in your rucksack <laughs> okay, but we i mean we work with very traditional 
Spanish public entities, for example, where formality is is still you know the touchstone of everything they do. To 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 that to to kind of creative tech companies where you know beachwear is is the thing. Maybe that's I mean that's different from when I started teaching where formality was pretty much standard. You know things have changed, and I understand young you know young teachers coming through might kind of be a bit exasperated by that. We we need to find a kind of a common thread through you know in terms of formality there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, moving on a bit to the experience within the classroom. We're looking for planning for every class. Planning for every class isn't like in the TEFL qualification. It it might be a few lines on a bit of paper which relate to the materials you're using. It might even just be something that you've you've got in your head. You know, one, two, three, four, five. You know, as you're on the bus on the way on the way to your class. But you've got to know what you're doing before you go in. Again, having a plan doesn't mean that you don't change the plan, but everything starts with a plan. Okay. Applying a method, we can't just talk. That's not enough. We need some study. We need some learning. Although just talking, you're going to learn. Your students are going to learn if they're just talking. But we need to accelerate that because we've only got two hours with them a week. So we need to accelerate that learning. So they need communication, but they need study as well. So at one extreme, they just talk. But at the other extreme, we don't just follow the book like I did in my first in my first class in that, in that telephone company. You can't just follow the book. It's got to be. We've got to apply a method. What else? I mean, for us, we it's a service industry. We've got dozens of teachers out there interacting with hundreds or thousands of, of, of students. So we need to know if there's an issue. What do I mean by an issue? An issue could be, okay, my students just keep talking to each other. They, they're, they're not really interacting with me. They're not really, you know, they're using, they're using their, their native language all the time in class. Maybe more serious where a, a student saying, look, I'm not learning with you. I don't like your classes. Any issue like that, which is a sign of something which is not successful in the class, to talk to whoever you're whoever you're working with if you don't you know these things get worse and it, again it's a question of receiving another uh, perspective the people you work with in the academy the, the management in the academy are there to help you i mean that's fundamental that you remember they're there to help you so you need you need to be talking to them about anything that comes up and they they've got the expertise if necessary they can talk to the client they can talk to the students but you need you need to be reporting any issue there as a new teacher, perhaps we feel frightened or concerned that we'll be blamed for something or the client will see it as, a, as our fault as a teacher. But as you said, that the academies, they're working for both the client plus supporting the teacher. So it's so important to make sure that you're communicating. What we don't want is a, as a teacher feeling so frightened of losing their job or being punished or something going wrong that they don't say anything definitely yeah our teachers have kind of two roles one is a teacher and one one is a service provider to a client so sometimes we have a our our, our teacher heads on mm. again this is my class this is what we're going to yeah. do and, and that's it whereas the, the 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 students might have another idea about that they might have an idea no, no, no this you know the teacher does what i what i want them to do because they're providing a service to me so very often you need to find a compromise you know between those two things and, and for that reason again i'm talking about reporting issues to the to your academy it's very very important to maintain open channels of communication with your students about expectations about saying what do you expect from me what do i expect from you and, and coming to to a to a, a negotiated agreement about what the class is is going to contain if you don't do that then those kind of little niggles little resentments can, can build up 
So it is, it is about having, if, you, if you've had an open dialogue with your students and it still doesn't work, then you've done as much as you can. And so somebody else needs to step in. And that might be a class observation, it might be talking to the client. But again, the, you know, the, your, your academy is there to support you in those situations. Yeah. There's lots of ideas there that's just kind of evolved around communication. Having yeah. Uh, yeah. expectations that the teachers will communicate with you as the academy, will communicate with their students, and just keep that communication open and, and flexible as well. That, that's a really key part of having a good relationship, I think, for, for that year mm. or the next academic year as well. Communication is, is key. My last point about what an academy expects from a teacher is just a very general human, human being point. You know, be a positive, sociable person. Positivity and the willingness to have good, you know, to maintain good relationships with people is key. You must be able to start your class with a smile, you know, because, <laughs> you know, if you walk into a class and you've got, you know, a frown, then the, the whole class is kind of tainted by that, by that kind of negativity. So you need to be, you need to be positive and to be social. And it's not easy. Uh, you know, if you're teaching six, seven hours a day, it's not easy, but that's, you know, it's a key part of the job. And I see you've well practiced at that yourself, Ed. Lots of yeah, sometimes harder than others. Sometimes it's a bit more strained than others. <laughs> That's <laughs> why some days are better than others, of course. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone has bad days. Everyone yeah. has bad. Our students have to know that we're happy to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So let's switch things up now and look at it from a different perspective, Ed. Because what you shared there is really wonderful stuff. So useful for those that are listening. What types of things can new teachers expect from working with yourselves um, or as a, from an academy in general? Okay, I mean, I think the first thing, the first thing is um, we, like any job, you're beginning a, a relationship and that's based, going to be, in, in the case of a new teacher, the, the logical thing is to be based on a contract rather than a freelance relationship. I think mean, as a freelancer, you need to be getting some more some more experience under your belt uh, before that. So, so the first thing to begin is your contract and you need to be signing a contract and making sure that, that it's a fully legal contract for the hours that you're working. So you're making your proper contributions to social security, uh, you're receiving paid holiday, uh, your salary. If you're, if you're on contract, you should be receiving a salary, which is payments per month, which, which don't vary. So that your salary is not affected by other conditions, for example, class cancellations. A lot of one-to-one classes in the corporate TEFL business, and very often they're not billed by the by the com- by, by the company to the academy. However, if you're on contract, you should still be receiving payment for those for those classes. Um, the conditions. I mean, just to be aware that the conditions for for teaching are are set by a by a group agreement called a convenio, and in Spain that's the convenio para enseñanza y formación no reglada. So, so it's a good idea to read that. And then you're, you're you're fully aware of what your your contract rights are. Uh, so I begin with that. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure your contract is right. Make sure that everything is transparent. You know what you're going to earn, and that those those kind of variable elements. They might say, "Oh, if you get cancellations, then we'll pay you a bit less." Then you know that's not something that we do. But I understand that then that may be uh, present in the in the sector in certain areas. 
Yeah, I think that's key, isn't it? That in the sector, there's going to be different academies working in different ways. Uh, as a new teacher, you might end up working for one, two or three academies at any given time. It is important that they recognize that each contract might be different and they should ask certain things. So do I get paid monthly? What dates am I getting paid on? They should never assume that what the experience they've had from one academy is going to be the same. Definitely, yeah. And I think, uh, again, it's a question of transparency and a question of going in with your eyes open. And it's very easy to kind of, as a new teacher, to be kind of a little bit intimidated by the whole thing. Yeah. You get a, get a contract, sign it without without checking it. You know, do do check it. Just say, like, I need to read this, you know, to make sure. And learn about your rights before you go in, uh, especially by, by reading the convenio. Yeah. The important thing is to know what you're signing when, when you sign it, absolutely. Okay, I think a time timetable. I mean, we in this in this business we spend all our all our time talking about timetables because um, you know this isn't an office job. It's not uh, you just come in and work nine to five. No, it's about building a timetable in different areas at different times. As teachers, we want lifestyles where we start work in the morning, we finish in the, in the early afternoon, and we've got our evenings to ourselves, and we've worked a decent amount of hours. We haven't only worked three hours in in a in a span of eight hours in in, in a day. So it's not always possible to get block hours, but the important thing is to have a dialogue with your with your academy to say what your expectations are. If you say, look, I want to be working 20, 20 hours a week, more or less within the within this time frame, or 25 hours a week, then have that conversation. So I'm working with another academy, I want to plug these gaps in my in my timetable. Everything comes down to communication, as we've mentioned several times already. It's just about keeping that open. My expectations, your expectations, this is what we can offer. And then as long as you can say yes or no with your eyes open, then, then that's fine. I think the teachers can expect from the academies that you'll be open and honest as well about yeah. what is available on the timetable. The, in my experience, it's important academies say, you know, this client will only have classes at this time yeah. and they're not willing to move. Because I remember, Ed, when we were scheduling lots of classes, quite often would have those kind of two o'clock to three o'clock class followed by later seven o'clock to eight o'clock class. Sometimes we go back to the client and we'd manage to influence them mm. to change, mm. to make a block of two hours. So one to three or two to four. Uh, and that would work sometimes. But other times you'd get the client that just would be inflexible. And, and the yeah. point is that the academy is open and honest with the, the new teachers about that. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the role of the Department of Studies in particular is to, is to advocate for teacher conditions to get them the best possible deal. Um, okay. Um, I mean, transparency, again, communication transparency. Um, when you're accepting a class, find out when it begins, when it ends. And if, if there are any weeks where for some reason, this happens a lot in Spain where, you know, it's a, a saint's day on a particular week and they cancel the classes for that week. So, you know, find out about those things. If you're on contract, then theoretically it's not your problem, but maybe it's more of a problem for a freelance. But anyway, anyway, find out when, particularly when it ends, because if it ends at the end of May, then you might say, oh, no, 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 I need my classes to go until the end of June, so I'm not interested in that class. So if you have full information, then, then you avoid problems later on. So transparency, again, um, just say, what, what are the conditions of this class? Um, where is it? How do I get there? How many students? What's the program? 
how many reports do I have to write? Because you might have to go on, you will have to go online and write reports. What other things are you know, appending to this, to this client? What other responsibilities do, does it entail? Okay, so ask those questions. Ask those questions. And generally, um, in, in an interview process, Ed, that kind of information is offered as well by the academy, as much as mm. they know from from their clients yeah. as well. So there's but, no there's no hiding from it. We're not trying to keep information from new teachers. Usually, the academy yeah. offer out that kind of information up front. But in case they don't, it's always good to ask. And this comes with a bit of experience. Once the new teacher gets a couple of contracts or a couple of classes underway, they'll, they'll soon very quickly learn if they've not got all the information or the academy's not given them everything. So but with a bit of experience um, and a bit of knowledge and, and planning, um, usually the teacher can get that kind of information up front. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, a key part of this that the teacher should expect from the academy is, is support, and particularly a new teacher, is support. Support comes in many forms. One is um, uh, teaching materials. Okay. So King's Training, we have a traditional library. So you can come, you can use our, you know, look, look at our books, um, take the photocopies that you need. Training program. Again, we try and provide uh, training programs to cover sometimes basic training because I think it's absolutely crucial to always go back over the over the basics the things that you studied on your TEFL course to go back over those things and then learning learning new things as well so we we we, we provide teacher training on a timely basis take advantage of it if nothing else it's it's a way to get your voice heard to, to speak about things which interest you and meet other people who are interested in the same things class observations again people are very can be intimidated by the idea of oh, it's natural. I'm intimidated by the idea of class observations as well. But the, the idea is, is to provide support, is to provide feedback in, in a constructive way, in, in a helpful way. So take, take advantage of that. Uh, and student feedback. Um, so we have student feedback at least, uh, at least twice a year, general uh, student feedback online to improve the experience for the teacher, to improve the experience for the, for the students, the clients and the school. Okay, those are the, the, the four areas that have to be happy. Another thing is kind of more of a pastoral element. When people are new to, to the country, people are coming here to Spain where we are, then the bureaucracy can be very intimidating. So, so help, we can help with that. You know, your school should be able to help you a bit with that. So perhaps making phone calls if you, if you don't speak the, the language and let you know what processes are. Again, what we have in, in King's Training are just, you know, kind of help sheets. You know, this is, okay, so you, you need to register for, for, a, for an identity number. Plus, okay, this is, this is the help sheet to help you get through it. If you, you hit a brick wall, then, you know, your school can help you with those things. You know, an employee, you're somebody who works with us, so you're part of, you're part of the family yeah, to that extent, so we're going to try and look after you. Maybe other things, you know, language classes. Again, you, you, you're in a new culture, you need to... The, the language is a massive part of that culture, isn't it? <laughs> At least half. <laughs> so, so the idea of asking if they have language classes, if they can help out with language, language classes in any way. It, it's like any job. You've just got to be aware of what's out there. And when you're aware of what's out there, you can, you can start asking the right questions and getting the right help. However, your school should be there trying to push those things uh, towards you in, a, in any case. 
One of the points I'd like to make there, Ed, you know, King's Training is one of the more successful and professional academies in Madrid. And, and I say that not because I've worked for King's, but I say that because I've worked for many, many, many academies. And you do have a good reputation for looking after people, taking care of teachers, having a great outlook, taking responsibility as an academy for, for your clients and your teachers as well, all at the same time. And I think that shows through what you've talked about today. Um, and it's been really lovely to hear that. I do think that for the listeners, it's also important to say that not all academies can offer all of those things. And, and they should keep an open mind who they're working with and um, what they can get from each academy. Obviously, smaller academies, you know, they don't have the teacher training, um, mm. but they should have some books and some resources um, they may not be able to, you know, send you to conferences or invite you to conferences, but they should be able to give you a contract. I, absolutely. I, and that's, that's important, I think. Yeah. Okay, lastly, I mean, my, my kind of my kind of my last point is what, what, about what you can expect from your academy. <clears throat> Again, from us, from our point of view, is that if you're on contract, even if you're a freelance to a certain extent, but in a different way, uh, that you should be treated as, as part of the team. Okay, and I've mentioned the word family, family, team, whatever. We have a relationship, you know, we have a group relationship and that implies some kind of responsibility. So we're not going to ask anyone to have responsibility towards us, to be punctual, to be professional, all of those things without that being reciprocal. You know, we have responsibility to you. So for us, if, if you join, you join, you're part of the team, whether you're working three hours or you're working 25 hours, there there is a... A, a mutual responsibility a mutual relationship which is very important so all being part of the family that's a nice way to to sum up it thank you yeah absolutely join the family join the family excellent that, that does sound a bit sinister <laughs> <laughs> well i've enjoyed being part of the family over the years and and hopefully will continue to be um you don't absolutely. keep people out of the family do you for any <laughs> no 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 the, door, the doors are always open Andrew, good. for you <laughs> Thank you. Good to hear. Very good to hear. So we've come to the end of the podcast, Ed. Thank you. I think you well, it's been, it's been some, you, you've shared just some really awesome tips and points there. I think that it's going to be really valuable to those who are listening. And we'd love to have you back another occasion. Fantastic. I'd, lo- I'd love, to, love to come back. I mean, just, um, just as a final message, just, uh, just to, to, to reiterate what we've said, you know, this is... Um, this is a great thing to do. You know, uh, TEFL teaching is a great thing to do. When you see, when you see somebody learning something, you see that kind of light in their eye, then it then it's a great feeling. Whether you're going to do it for a year or you intend to do it as as a career uh, for the long term, it's a wonderful thing. It's a sector which is changing greatly with um, with technology, but fundamentally, it's it's a people business. You know, if you like people and you like language, uh, then it's then it's going to be a great thing for you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks very much. What a wonderful selection of useful information and advice there from Ed Taylor, Head of Studies at King's Training. As always, stay tuned and watch out for further podcasts. Don't forget to listen in to the other ones that are published if you haven't already. I've no doubt that you're going to find some awesome information in there that's really going to set you up for success in your new venture as a teacher. Tune in soon.